Welcome to the Michelleness Project. This is a conversation about fitness, mindfulness, happiness, healthiness, and all the other Nesses we'll encounter along the way. I'm Michelle Mason, a certified personal trainer and nutrition coach, and I'll be your host along this journey. Welcome back to the Michelleness Project. Thanks for joining me today. I am really excited to be here because today marks our very first Q&A session. The last two episodes, if you've been following along, have been a little bit more focused on my journey, some of my recent experiences, lessons I've learned, and things like that, because I wanted you to get to know me a little bit better. But the whole purpose of this podcast is for me to help you. This is a medium that I'm using to communicate and to educate and, you know, to really help uh, have a, a bigger, better discussion on healthiness, fitness, mindset, nutrition, and all of the topics that are important to you. So with that being said, I had put out the call for questions, um, which you're welcome to submit to me at any time. I'll leave a note at the end, but... Um, Just a reminder, you can reach out to me on Instagram at Michelle G. Mason or email them to me, michellegmason at gmail.com or submit them through my website, michellegmason.com. So I had received quite a few questions already, either via clients or some people who had listened to the first two podcasts and had some questions for me. So that's what today is all about. I'm going to answer three questions that I received that I think are perfect to start with because um, they're all kind of tailored towards beginners. And I don't want anybody to feel left out in this conversation um, just because I've been doing this for years or because I talk about you know, training principles or different, um, you know, things when it comes to diet, like macros and calorie deficits and things like that, terms that you might not even be familiar with. I want you to stay. I want you to learn. Um, I want you to know that this space is for you as well. Everyone is welcome here and, uh, no question is, you know, too quote unquote stupid. I think a lot of people think that their questions aren't worth it. Every question is worth it. If you have it, I guarantee you that someone else who's listening also has that question or has had that question before, you know, and so they can relate. Um, I also think that hearing things multiple times is really, really helpful. We talked a little bit about that in the last episode, but I think that sometimes hearing things in a slightly different way or getting a little bit more context can be really helpful. You know, and when it comes to nutrition, simple is always key. The same thing with exercise. So hearing the same things repeatedly is not necessarily a bad thing. So with all that being said, let's go ahead and dive right in. So this first question is from someone who says, I'm a pretty healthy eater and I exercise a lot. I know what to eat but I'm finding myself hungry during the day. And when that happens, I tend to snack on unhealthy things. I know these are not the best choices for me to make, but I can't seem to stop. How can I stop doing this? So 
in full disclosure, this person was a client of mine that I ended up having um, a one-on-one discussion with her and kind of diving deeper into her personal experience. And so we worked on this together and I gave her some tips. So I'll kind of share what I told her as well as kind of some general tips here, depending on the context, because one of the things that you'll hear me say a lot is it depends. (laughs) I feel like every good coach, you should hear them say it depends a lot because there's not a whole lot of, you know, one size fits all when it comes to an approach. There are a lot of different, um, you know, directions you can take this depending on what that person's responses are, what their life experiences are, what their goals are. So, uh, Here's where I'll here's where I'll start. So if you are finding yourself snacking or um, what you might consider overeating, which when I talked to this person, that's kind of what they felt they were doing. They felt that they were overeating. I won't use the word binging, but just snacking more out of boredom than hunger. Okay, so. Um, I think that if you find yourself in this case where you're eating too much, you need to look at a couple of things. The first thing I would say is, what are your goals? Is your goal right now to maintain your weight, to gain weight, or to lose weight? What I say next is going to depend on that goal. So assuming that you either want to maintain your weight or lose your weight, because I think it becomes pretty obvious that you know, if you are trying to gain weight, that snacking is going to be a helpful strategy in order to, you know, add more calories to your day. And it becomes a different conversation about just maybe the quality and the timing of these things, um, you know, shifting, you know, the types of foods you're having that becomes a little bit more obvious. But so here I'm going to speak to the person who's either looking to maintain or lose weight. If you're trying to maintain your weight, and you're finding yourself doing this, I think what might be the biggest culprit generally is that you're eating too little otherwise, and your body is just genuinely hungry. Now, if you are trying to lose weight, and you're finding yourself snacking like this in the middle of the day and reaching towards some unhealthy things, it's probably a, a similar situation where you're probably eating too few of calories, Um, And your body is just getting hungry and your willpower diminishes as the day goes on. So what I would tell someone to look towards is what does your breakfast look like? uh, And what do the rest of your meals look like? One of the biggest things that I see, especially in people who come to me to work on nutrition, is that they're eating too little protein. Um, And if you're eating too little protein, you are not going to feel very full after meals, you're going to find yourself hungrier. And the more hunger you get, the more likely your body is to reach for kind of the higher carb, higher fat snacks, things like potato chips, cookies, crackers. You think that it would be, you know, kind of intuitive where if you're lacking protein, your body would start craving a steak or something, right? but that's not generally how it works. Um, A steak maybe isn't a a great example because that is a fattier cut of meat that is more filling. But let's say, you know, you're having egg whites or cereal for breakfast in the morning and you're, you know, not eating quite enough, 
right? Like maybe you're eating like a serving of egg whites and it's like five to 10 grams of protein or a bowl of cereal that's, you know, three grams or less of protein. And then you start craving things like chips or cookies as you get hungry. Well, that's because your body knows that that's a quick energy source. It's not going to think, hmm, a grilled chicken would be, you know, the best bet for me right now because it's a, you know, high amount of protein and I'm going to feel better. It's just, you know, the way that it works. <laughs> so we have to kind of outsmart that by getting in front of it when it comes to protein consumption. So that is typically what I see as the biggest kind of downfall for people, especially if they've never tracked their food before, or if they, you know, come from a diet history or, you know, diet culture mindset where they think that less is more. So, you know, they might try to eat a really tiny breakfast. And then, like I said, as the day goes on, especially if you're training hard and you're moving a lot, um, you're going to find yourself pretty hungry pretty quickly. And then it's going to become harder to resist those snacks. So that's something to think about. Um, I generally like to see people work their way up to 0.8 to one gram of protein per pound of body weight. Now, if you do some quick math on that and you realize like you are not even close to that, don't panic because <laughs> that is something that I definitely help people gradually work up on. I would never expect somebody to change all of that overnight. If you're going from like 60 grams of protein a day to 150 grams of protein the next day, that might be a recipe for some digestive distress. But you can work on gradually adding some. So for the person who's having egg whites in the morning, you know, adding a whole egg or two plus the serving of egg whites or two servings there. If you're having cereal, can we swap that for something like Greek yogurt with berries? Or even at first, maybe you are adding your cereal to Greek yogurt, you know, just giving it a little more protein, having some protein powder, making yourself a smoothie, having oats mixed together with some Greek yogurt or... um you know, going for, if you're not the type of person that really feels the need to have breakfast foods, I love like a hash in the morning, either ground beef or ground turkey mixed with vegetables. That's an awesome, you know, meal for any time of day. So having something more filling like that in the morning will set you up where you're not going to be so hangry by lunchtime. So definitely making sure that you're eating enough protein and then the next thing I'll say is making sure that you're eating enough overall. So this is going to be a little bit you know, easier to swallow if you are trying to maintain your weight because you don't need to be subtracting food if you're trying to maintain your weight, right? You can, you know, maybe, maybe you want to shift your protein consumption and make your meals a little bit larger and less reliance on snacks overall, but you typically don't have to change too much here. It's more of a, um, you know, quality type of food quality type of situation or, you know, just repartitioning your calories overall. For the person who's trying to lose weight, it can definitely sound counterintuitive and scary when I tell people they need to eat more food. But let me just kind of explain in the simplest terms possible here. For easy math, let's say that you maintain your weight on 2,000 calories a day. Let's say that you're currently eating 1,500 calories a day because either that's what you were told that you should do, either via MyFitnessPal or you did some random calorie calculator on the internet, 
or, you know, you just have this number in your mind, right? So you're going along, you're eating your 1500 calories and it's working for a few days. You're kind of getting hungry, but you can kind of, you know, white knuckle it and grin and bear it. Then what happens on the weekend or the first opportunity that you have where let's say you're out with friends or you go out for a restaurant meal or uh, you have a couple drinks, all of a sudden you find yourself grabbing everything in sight. And before you know it, you've had 2,500 calories that day. And then you get frustrated and you're like, well, why am I not losing any weight? Well, it's because you actually weren't eating, you know, 1500 calories a day, every day that week, you weren't being consistent. You probably averaged out, let's say eating your maintenance calories, that 2000 calorie marker. Once you factor in a couple of days where you went, you know, a little bit crazy and, and ate way too much as opposed to just a little bit more. So this is a trap that I see people fall into all the time. They tell me that they're being consistent or they're frustrated by their lack of progress. But what's really happening is that they're being consistent for a few days and then the wheels come off and they have a day where they seriously overeat or two days or three days and then they get back on track and, you know, we all can be guilty of telling ourselves lies and they don't realize that, you know, what they've done there is basically just taking themselves out of a diet or a calorie deficit. So what I usually propose to people is to actually eat a little bit more food overall. So let's say you were eating 1500 calories and you found it to be pretty challenging. Again, you're able to sustain it for a few days, but then ultimately your hunger takes over and you find yourself snacking on crackers or chips in the middle of the day or whatever is around or overeating at night after the kids go to bed or on the weekends. Um, This is a normal physiological response, by the way, when we take too much food away. So let's say that you were to approach this by eating 1800 calories a day instead. Um, This is the part that people have a hard time grasping, but if you were to eat 1800 calories every day, let's say, you know, you do this for a couple of weeks, you will find that with a little bit more food overall each day, you get less and less of that white knuckle effect. You get less and less of that hanger buildup because you are fueling yourself just a little bit more. So then when the weekend rolls around or when that middle of the day boredom sets in, you're less likely to need those snacks because you're not as hungry. You are more well-fueled. So then when you total up 1,800 calories a day over seven days or 14 days or 21 days, you'll actually find that you've been in a bigger caloric deficit than you would have been if you were eating 1500 calories a day for five days a week, you know, with 2,500 calories a day, one or two days a week, every day that week, if that makes sense. Um, again, it's, it's something that people struggle with, especially if they're desperate to lose weight, the faster they want to lose weight, the less they like to hear this, but this is where playing the long game is really important. And you actually end up being more successful overall. I've joked with people If it's fast, it won't last. And it's something to really keep in mind here that, you know, if you can feed yourself a little bit of a bigger breakfast, if you make room for a bigger lunch or dinner, 
you know, or plan for snacks, recording things in advance, writing out what you plan to eat for the day. All of these things can go a much longer way in helping you to sustain long-term success. You know, it's when we get in this very minimalist, um, you know, state of, you know, less is more, less is more and try to have these like tiny little lunches with like a strip of grilled chicken breast and, you know, a tiny bowl of cereal or whatever and make everything as small as possible that we will eventually see that backfire on us. So that's a lot to digest. I know, uh, no pun intended, (laughs) but, um, you know, that's, that's typically where I would want to start this conversation. Okay. Some things that I would want somebody to think about, especially if they're trying to lose weight. Now I do also want to address the boredom piece because I think that's huge. I think that we eat for a lot of different reasons besides hunger and to, you know, not acknowledge that would be missing a huge piece of the puzzle. So we do eat for comfort. We do eat for socialization. We do eat because we're bored or we're sad or unhappy. And there's no, you know, invalid reason to eat. We are human beings. And this is a process where we're all learning. So I think in this case, when it comes to boredom eating, I would challenge you to explore the feelings that are coming up around that time. So let's say, for example, this is a person who gets up early, they get their workout in, they, you know, eat what they perceive to be a healthy breakfast, then maybe they go do some work in the yard or they get a little work done on the computer, you know, if they're working that day. And then, you know, they kind of have this lull in their schedule. They're kind of go, 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 go. And then they have this lull and they're not sure what to do with themselves. Um, you know, I've joked with people before that I'm a human doing, not a human being. So I feel this on a deep level. As much as I hate being busy and overwhelmed, I also sometimes don't know what to do with myself when I don't have anything to do, you know, staring me right in the face or a deadline right in front of me. So I think when this happens, uh, it's really important to do some self-exploration. And I'm a huge fan of journaling. You'll hear me talk about this a lot, but picking up your journal, writing down specifically what you're feeling. Is it that you're bored because you don't have a deadline in front of you? Are you feeling uncomfortable because you feel like you quote unquote should be doing something? Do you have a problem with resting? Do you feel uncomfortable sitting with your thoughts? Tease that out. Explore that. If we don't know the why, we can't really change our behavior. So I would definitely encourage you to explore that. I would also say to change something about your environment. So definitely like if you're struggling with certain food items like chips or cookies or crackers, different things, you know, I am a big fan of like eating foods that you like, and I don't think there's any necessarily bad foods. There are definitely some foods that are more nutritionally, you know, beneficial than others, but I don't want you to get to the space where you're like not eating certain things because they're quote unquote bad. I think that sets up a very unhealthy relationship with food. So I would say though, if you are struggling with like a certain particular food, don't buy it. Do not buy it. Especially if you are the person who does the grocery shopping in your house, you have full control here. I promise you, your kids will not die if they don't get their Doritos you know, especially if you swap it, like, let's say they like Pringles, you don't. So you buy them Pringles instead for their lunches. And then you're not tempted, you know, staring the Doritos in the face every day. 
or whatever that particular food is. You know, you can talk to your family if you don't feel that they're going to be supportive. If you don't buy their Oreos, you can say, hey, listen, I really struggle with this. Can we just temporarily either, you know, hide them from me or, you know, let's not buy them for a little while. And, you know, chances are like they're going to understand and be supportive anyway. We'll definitely have some conversations about how to create a more supportive system and build a, you know, a better kitchen in future episodes. But, you know, definitely try not to buy the things that you have a struggle with, at least temporarily. It just, if it's eliminated, it just makes it easier. Um, I'm a precision nutrition graduate and John Berardi, the founder of Precision Nutrition, you know, he talks a lot about like what's in the house you will eventually eat. So as much as you think that, you know, oh, I'll buy these cookies for my kids or these chips for my kids. If it's right in front of you, you have a much higher likelihood of actually eating it. So do an audit of your pantry. Are there certain things that maybe you want to temporarily remove um, or get rid of that, you know, definitely help you have an easier time? I would also say, you know, if you find yourself bored Is there some way that you can fulfill that boredom or that time spent with something that's equally comforting, like making yourself a cup of coffee or a tea or something that you can like savor and enjoy that is not standing in your kitchen over the sink, you know, cramming chips down your mouth? Um, Or can you get outside for five minutes? Can you get out of the kitchen and just say like, hey, if I'm still hungry in 20 minutes, I'll head back to the kitchen. Food is available at any time for me. This is not an emergency situation. I'm going to try to distract myself for a few minutes. You know, these are all tips that you can use. Definitely drinking a glass of water. If you have this craving or this urge to eat something, if you have a glass of water, that can oftentimes be enough to... Um, fill you temporarily. It's also something that you might be needing. A lot of times our hunger is disguised or our, I'm sorry, our thirst is disguised as hunger. So that might help, you know, stave off those cravings a little bit longer. Um, gum works really well for some people taking a walk. I'm a huge fan of, you will hear me talk a lot about walking. I use that like for every single one of my clients as a strategy, there are just so many mental, emotional, psychological, physical benefits to daily walking that I can't emphasize how important it is enough. Um, but that's a great tool when you find yourself like, I know I want to eat. Um, I'm standing in front of the pantry here. I don't want to do this right now. I'm going to distract myself you know, with a walk. And then while you're walking, the bonus there is that you can be exploring some of these thoughts and like, why am I bored? What am I really feeling right now? What would really make me feel better? Because when we are snacking absentmindedly like that, you know, especially when we go on autopilot, when we're just like, you know, eating something like chips by the handful from a bag, what we're really doing is like shutting our brains off. We want that, you know, that disconnection. Um, and so, you know, we need to start to figure out some other strategies and like ways to explore that. So that would be what I would say to that person, um, who was struggling with this issue. I hope that you found some helpful things in there 
And we'll definitely, you know, continue conversations like this because there's other tips and things that I'm sure, um, you know, people will have in response to this. I'd love to hear some of your strategies for how you handle eating when you're bored or overeating. Um, and you know, we'll keep talking about this. So for the next question, all right, I get overwhelmed cooking for myself and tend to live on things like frozen waffles and sandwiches. I buy produce and have good intentions, but then the food goes bad. I'm cooking and living alone. Where should I start and how can I make this less stressful? Um, This is an awesome question. I get this one a lot, especially for my people who are just graduating or people who are living on their own for the first time. Um, And cooking for one definitely has its challenges. So this is a really good question. Um, I would definitely say first and foremost that it does not have to be overwhelming, but it will take some planning and coordination. I think that probably the worst place to start is on a site like Pinterest or, you know, um, these food blogs and things like that where people are making these like really complicated recipes because I think for the the person who's living alone, uh, cooking for themselves for the first time, it just gets to be a lot. <laughs> it's a lot for, for most people. So definitely this person that probably would be a very overwhelming place to start. Where I would start is with, you know, a piece of paper or your screen in front of you. And I just want you to plan out two to three things that you really like, you know, meals, um, that you can see yourself cooking and that you might enjoy eating multiple times a week. I definitely encourage people to do this because if you start with something that you can, you know, make multiple portions of, you're going to be cooking less overall and it's way less likely that you're going to waste it if you're making things that you like. So something easy that I'll usually tell people is if you, you know, don't have like a go-to recipe or two that you like and can make in bulk, start really simple with some basics. So if you are going to, to food prep, pick two or three protein sources to buy for the week, two or three starches to buy, and then two or three vegetables, okay? And I would definitely say that for the person who lives alone, frozen fruits and veggies are going to be your best friend because, you know, you can pull out the portion that you want to eat or you can, you know, use them as you go and you're not going to waste them. Um, but if you buy just a couple of things, you can repurpose them in a lot of different ways. So I'm not the biggest fan of like making a meal. Like there are certain things like a chili or a soup that I really like, or a chicken tiki masala recipe that I enjoy that I'll make, you know, bulk of because I like eating that for multiple meals in a row. But more often than not, I, this is what I do. And I tell people to do is I'll make you know, enough rice for several portions for the week. I'll make a thing of ground beef, you know, just season it simply with, you know, some garlic, some salt and some pepper, or, you know, a bunch of chicken breasts or chicken thighs. I tend to think that thighs reheat better because they have a little bit of a higher fat content and, um, you know, they tend to like dry out less. So if you're bulk prepping chicken, I do recommend chicken thighs. Um, or, you know, you can do ground turkey. So you have your, you know, rice or, you know, a couple sweet potatoes in the oven. 
you're browning your ground beef. You're doing all of this at the same time, by the way. So it's like you're getting it all done at once. And then you have components. Okay. So let's say you've done, for simplicity's sake, let's say you've done rice, sweet potatoes in the oven. You've done chicken thighs in the oven and you're browning ground beef on the stovetop. And for your vegetables this week, you bought some spinach and some frozen broccoli and some Brussels sprouts, okay? Uh, Just using examples off the top of my head. So one day you can have your, you know, put a bed of spinach down. You can throw some rice on top. You can throw some ground beef on top of that. Top it with, you know, some salsa, a little bit of shredded cheese. If you've got some other veggies on hand, awesome. But, you know, keep it simple. Make yourself a taco bowl. I love to crumble up some um, tortilla chips on top of it to give it like a taco bowl feel. And you can throw in beans or, you know, anything else you want to, but you have that very simple template right there that's not going to take you any time when you go to reheat this. And you can add spices as you go. So again, if you keep things simple when you do it, uh, it'll allow you to customize it in different ways. And then maybe the next night you have chicken thighs and sweet potato. And the day after that, you make yourself, you know, some eggs with sweet potato and some ground beef you know, you can kind of mix everything together and make like a hash or a little bowl, warm it up in the microwave. It's awesome. And so you start to, you know, incorporate things like sauces and spices in order to give you the variety, but you keep things very, very simple. So I'm not buying a ton and I'm not overwhelming myself by thinking, oh shit, what am I going to cook today? Or what am I cooking tomorrow? You know, dinner time is not staring you in the face without a plan. It takes about, you know, 45 minutes to an hour and you can have everything done. Depending on how many burners you have on your stove or your likes and preferences, I will typically suggest to people like also be hard boiling a half dozen eggs at the same time. If you like oats, it's a perfect time to cook oats, you know, um, cooking as much as you can at once that then you have ready to go in the refrigerator so that when you are hungry throughout the week, boom, it's ready to go. You don't have to think about it. So that's typically where I would advise somebody to start. So again, just keep it simple with a carb source or two, a protein source or two, and then a couple of fruits or vegetables, definitely taking advantage of frozen things. I think that there's nothing wrong with frozen waffles. In fact, um, I love the Kodiak frozen waffles and pancakes. They have the higher protein ones. I actually think those are great with some Greek yogurt and some berries Um, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I buy these gluten-free chicken nuggets for my kids from Kroger that are like dinosaur shaped and they're actually really good. And they've got a really good caloric profile. They've got a good amount of protein in them. They're not super high in fat. Um, they are not super high in calorie, which, you know, I mention these things in case you're the person who's counting your macros. Not that fat is bad or calories are bad by any means, but when I look at something, you know, there's a lot of like people who will say like, well, peanut butter is high protein or cheese is high protein. And I just really want to start getting away from these myths. We'll definitely talk about some, you know, food myths and nutrition myths and exercise myths in future episodes. But when I'm looking at something, I want to see if I want to consider it a source of protein, it better have a higher 
number of grams of protein than fat. If they're about equal or, you know, the protein is less than the fat run away. It's not a high protein food. It's a high fat food. They're just harder to fit in and still meet your protein goals, which in the previous question, we talked about how important it is to reach your protein goals for, you know, satiety, but also, you know, things like body composition and feeling your best and having energy and things like that. So I digress, but frozen waffles, things that are frozen, like frozen, you know, chicken nuggets, or they have those like grilled chicken breast strips, lean on that stuff. There is nothing wrong with that. Again, I think that if you, you know, have a template of basics in your freezer, I'd much rather you see that. And then it's like, how can I customize this with a fun salad dressing or a, fun spice or, you know, something else that you want to try. There's like tons of good marinades and sauces out there, especially these days. It's easier to find higher quality ones. I'm a huge fan of Primal Kitchen, uh, Tessame's, Paleo OMG. Um, you know, there's, there's a ton and, you know, that's where you can kind of have fun with like going to Pinterest or other food blogs and, you know, Googling a marinade for chicken, right? but keep the basics very simple. And because no episode would be complete or discussion with a client on nutrition would be complete without mentioning my love for rotisserie chicken. I'm going to go ahead and plug it here. Um, you would think that I would be like sponsored by rotisserie chicken at this point, but sadly I am not. I just am a huge fan. Um, I will tell people that when you have that urge for fast food or you have no time at the end of the day, Nothing will save your butt more often or better than a frozen or than a cooked rotisserie chicken. Picking one up, you know, takes no time. They're delicious. Near us, we have Kroger and Whole Foods. I've had both. They're great. Um, you know, you just grab one. They come in a little bag. They're already hot. They're already seasoned. They're ready to go. All you have to do is plop it on the table, you know, maybe throw some rice on, or if you already have your sweet potatoes or other, you know, salad greens or something prepared, you can just throw it right on top there. Uh, definitely a huge go-to in my household, which is always busy right now with like kids stuff, you know, going to like soccer games and baseball games after, um, you know, school, it's a huge staple. And if, you know, you have leftovers since you're obviously only one person, you can tend to get two or three meals out of it. If you don't like reheating the rotisserie chicken, uh, you can always like pull it off the bone and make a chicken salad. I have been making a version that I saw from Meg squats. Um, if you guys follow her, she does a high protein chicken salad where she actually mixes it with Greek yogurt instead of mayo. And it's, amazing, especially if you're struggling to get protein in, that's a really good way to add in a little extra. Um, so hopefully that helps. Okay. So we have one more today. And this last question is how do I get started exercising or how, how do you recommend getting started exercising when you don't have much time? So uh, this question was actually submitted on my website and I don't know this person, Um, so I don't know where exactly they're coming from. So I definitely am going to reach out to this person to get more details so that I can help them personally, because there's kind of a lot to unpack here and they could mean a lot of different things. So the context is how to get started exercising when you don't have much time. I am assuming that this person means that they feel like overwhelmed by 
do they start with walking or is there a certain strength program that they do first to get started or, you know, are you starting with body weight exercises? I mean, there's, there's a lot of different directions here. So I would just say in general, how to get started with exercise is, um, you know, just move. I would definitely encourage you if you've done absolutely nothing before to start with walking, that's a great place to start. Um, if you already, let's say walk, but let's say they mean strength training. I think that working with a coach is great. Even if it's, you know, you know, obviously I can plug myself here, right? Like you could reach out to me and, and, and we could work together and I could help you come up with a plan for where to start. Um, but you could also, you know, go visit a coach near you, Uh, If you, you know, want somebody in person, I would say that when it comes to starting a strength training routine, it's really important to do a movement assessment first. That's where I start with everyone. I want to see how you move, what sort of compensations you might have, what sort of limitations you might have, imbalances, and that's going to inform where we start. In general, though, we want to make sure that if you're just getting started with exercise in the form of strength training, you want to make sure that you're covering like basic movement patterns like a squat and a hinge or a deadlift, um, a lunge, a push-up, you know, very basic exercises. It does not have to be complicated. You could start with doing two or three sets of wall push-ups or, you know, push-ups on your stairs and body weight squats and maybe some glute bridges. If you're not familiar with these terms, you can definitely reach out to me and I will share more information or you can just, you know, do a quick Google search, um, look it up on YouTube if you don't know what I'm talking about. But really starting with some of those basic movements and just getting really good at them and then trying to progress them each time, you know, either adding more reps or, you know, building your confidence or better form. Like these are all improvements that count. And then you can ultimately add weight and you can make it more complicated as you go. The benefits of working with a coach. I mean, if you know nothing and you are just getting started, I think that would be an incredible investment to give yourself you know, just to learn the basics or learn, you know, how does my form look? Am I doing this correctly? You know, making sure that you're not going to hurt yourself, making sure that you're doing things that are smart and appropriate for you. I think that's awesome. Um, if you are, you know, not even sure that strength training is right for you and you want to go more like the cardio approach, they're both important for different reasons. I am a strength coach. I am always going to think that um, the benefits of strength training are just so immeasurable that, um, you know, I can't, I can't recommend it enough. Like strength training is for every body, period. Every body, like everyone, everybody's shape, size, ability, strength is for everyone. I want strength to be accessible for everyone. Um, cardio is important for different things like heart health as well. So, and you know, maybe you're already walking if you want to start jogging, things like that. I mean, I just, I wouldn't overcomplicate it. I would just start if, if getting started is the hardest thing for you start small, you know, whether it's committing five to 10 minutes of your day 
and then adding on from there. I definitely think a big mistake that people can make is taking um, on more than they can handle at once or biting off more than they can chew. You know, for example, the person's like, all right, I'm going to start training six days a week. I'm going to get up every day at six o'clock in the morning. I'm going to do this. And then, you know, they might do it a day or two, but then they fall off the wagon. It was just too much. You know, it's, it's a huge adjustment from where you were to where you want to be. We've got to bridge that gap and we've got to have small, manageable, sustainable chunks that we kind of keep adding on over time, you know? So I tell people all the time, I'd rather you commit to less and do it more consistently because the more consistently you do something, the better the results are going to be. If you, I would rather you, you know, really commit and push yourself for three days a week than, you know, kind of just go through the motions for five days in a row and then fall off the, the rails for two weeks and not do anything, you know? So definitely starting small with, you know, five or 10 minute commitments, whether it's walking around the block or adding a little bit of time to your run or adding certain exercises to what you're already doing. You know, I definitely want more, um, context in this question because there's, you know, a lot of different ways that we could go here, but that's where I would start. Um, I do want to address the when you don't have much time piece because this is something like as you guys get to know me a little bit better, you'll learn kind of what really grinds my gears <laughs> and the I don't have time excuse really, really bothers me. Um, and, you know, I'm not much of a tough love coach, but maybe this is a little bit of tough love. Um, you, you know, are not the only person who's busy everyone is busy. If you are an adult and you have any sort of responsibility, whether that be your family, your pets, your children, your job, like we are all busy. Uh, you know, that's not just you. You have to make time for what's important to you, period. Like there's nothing that I can do. I wish that I could like have this, you know, magic button that I pressed that gave you 30 extra minutes to fit in a solid workout every day um, or do it for you. I would be a millionaire, but I can't do that. I can give you the tools to help you see where you do have time or how you can make it fit in around your busy life. But at the end of the day, like you have to make the time. If you have the time to listen to this podcast, guess what? You have time to exercise. If you have time to spend five to 10 minutes scrolling through Instagram mindlessly or sitting and watching Netflix for an hour at night, you have time. Okay. I don't care what the circumstances are. We just need to find a way to fit it in for you. So what that might look like is five minutes in the morning, five minutes at lunch and five minutes at dinner time. Maybe it's every time you walk into the kitchen, you do a set of 10 push-ups. Every time you get off of a work call, you do 10 body weight squats. You know, it could be that where it's like figuring out how to fit it in throughout the day or taking a walk around the block, you know, at two 10 minute intervals where you set a timer on your computer and you force yourself to get up. Um, right now I'm a big fan when my kids have their sports games, I will walk the track or like around the park where they are for at least, you know, half the time that way I'm still getting to watch them, but I'm also getting some movement in at the same time, because like you, I am also pretty busy right now. Um, but 
Yeah. The whole, when you, you know, people thinking that they don't have time, you really just have to find the time, you know, you will put your energy towards what's important to you. And so it requires a level of honesty and not really like lying to yourself here. You know, um, there's a way with your responsibilities that it can work. And I definitely, I am very sensitive to the person, especially like the single parent, you know, the people who have multiple jobs and things like that. I hear you. I see you. And I know how difficult it is to take the time for yourself. But I promise you that even five minutes, if you can do that consistently, you will reap the benefits of it. And I would also argue that for that person who is so selfless and who is, you know, prioritizing everybody around them besides themselves, that it's even more important for you to take five to 10 minutes for some self-care. So um, that's my response to that question. I hope, again, that that kind of sparks some ideas for you. And again, would love to hear your thoughts on how you make exercise fit in um, around your schedule or some tips that have worked for you here. All right, so I am going to wrap this one up today. I loved these questions. I love doing this. So please, 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 if you have any questions, if you have anything that you think would be a great topic for me to cover on this podcast, please do not hesitate to reach out to me. I would love to hear it. Until next time, take care. Thanks for joining me for this podcast. It means the world to me to have you here, and I hope that you found this helpful. If you have a question that you'd like me to talk about on the podcast, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can submit a question to me directly at my website, michellegmason.com, or email me at michellegmason at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram at michellegmason, or request to join my private Facebook group, Michelle Mason Strong Squad. Until next time, be well.